0: It's been great. It's been absolutely great. I am teaching today on three-dimensional faith. And um, if you've never heard that term before, um, I'm gonna explain what I mean by it in just a moment. But it is important because people think, um, you know, that you can just go out and just start flexing your faith, but there is an actual way, a Bible way to activate your faith there's a Bible way to activate your faith. And so I wanna hit that today in this broadcast because in this time of prayer and fasting, we're flexing our faith, believing for big things. And so um, I'm taking today's broadcast to show you the Bible way to activate your faith. And in the same way, as I show you this, it will also give you, an idea of how the enemy works to try to hinder your faith, to try to uh, short circuit your faith, if you will. And so I'm gonna talk about each of the three dimensions of faith. Do me a favor, since we had so much issues at the beginning, take a minute, share the broadcast on social media for me. Let's get it back out, because then they start hampering you if you've gone live with the same title three times and they they think there's an issue or nobody wants to see it. So let them know, let them know. And um, I'm going to jump into this and then we're going to pray, but um, I want you to start with me in Philippians chapter 4. And in Philippians chapter 4, we see the first dimension of faith and um, I'll say it this way and you can put it in the comments this way. Faith always begins with an imagination. It always begins with a thought. Now. I will say faith is a spiritual substance. There's no question about that. Faith is a spiritual substance, but you have to remember something. Just having a spirit man is not enough to operate in faith because the Bible tells us in the book of James chapter 1 that if you're a double-minded man, you're unstable in all your ways and you'll not receive anything from God. So that means that your thought process has to be first because you can you receive faith through the preaching of God's word and the teaching of God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Um, And so it's very important to understand this, your thought process plays a massive role in activating your faith. You say, why is that? Because what ends up happening is if you have faith, but then you become double-minded as I just said, then your faith can't function the way that God created it to function. And so you have to renew your mind it starts with an imagination look what what look what happened to the people that were headed into the promised land right god gave them a word that's enough to have faith but only two of the 12 had faith the other 10 allowed their imaginations and their thought process to destroy the function of their faith so I'll tell you something interesting that I never thought of. When I was in Bible school, they were teaching a class on faith. And um, one of my teachers said it in a way that I'll never forget. He said, faith doesn't just come by hearing. And I thought, well, the Bible says it does. But he was showing us there that the Bible assumes something about you as it says that it assumes something about you. Faith comes by hearing, but but what else? And believing what you hear to be true. That's the assumed part. It's not just by hearing, but by hearing and believing what you hear is true. Let me give you an example. Jesus' disciples traveled with him for three and almost a half years. They heard every message he preached, every message. And I mean, if there's anybody whose messages were faith-filled, packed with the gift of faith, Jesus. So his disciples heard every single message that he preached, but his disciples were still weak in faith at times. Other, Another example, Thomas, who the Bible calls um, the one who doubted Didymus, the twin. Um, he was in a place where he heard the gospel message. Jesus is alive. Jesus has been resurrected from the dead. Okay, that's, that's the gospel. Jesus is alive. He's resurrected. He's the Messiah. He's the Savior. And when he heard that, what did he say? I'll not believe it unless I can put my fingers in the nail scars of his hands, unless I can see his body, feel his body, right? And Jesus had to show up and say, go ahead, feel it. But he said, blessed are those that do not see and yet believe. So we call him now Doubting Thomas. (laughs) I always joke, they say, we're going to get to heaven. And he's going to be like, it was one time, guys. It was one time. I have to have this nickname for the rest of eternity. Yeah, he doubted that Christ was alive. I won't believe it. Did he hear the word? Yes, he did. Did he hear the gospel? Yes, he did. Did he believe it when he heard it? No, he didn't. So, faith doesn't just come by hearing, it comes by hearing and believing as true what you heard. By hearing and believing as true what you heard. Again, we had a couple issues technically when we started this morning, so if you don't mind, take a minute and help me out by sharing this broadcast today on social media and let's get people in here so that YouTube doesn't try to crush me in their little algorithm. So faith comes by hearing and believing as true what is heard. So this is, we're talking today about three-dimensional faith. Three-dimensional faith. Faith begins with an imagination. So number one, the first dimension of faith is what you think. And if you're taking notes, you need to put this down, put it in your notes, put it in the comments. First dimension of faith is what you think. What you think, your thought process, what you dwell on, will determine how you activate your faith. There's no question about this. The mind is the battlefield. There's no question about this. That's why there's so much commanded about what we think, how we set our mind, all those different things, our thoughts, renewing our mind. And so, Your faith is first activated by, and the first stop on the process after you get faith is how you think, how you set your mind, what you meditate on, what you dwell on. If that's not in check, you'll not activate your faith properly. If that is not in check, you'll not activate your faith properly. I'm here, I told you to turn with me to uh, Philippians chapter four. There's a reason for that. It's because I'm gonna read you Uh, Philippians chapter four, and I'm going to read you verse eight, but now let me get to it. Uh, Philippians chapter four and verse eight, the Bible says this, finally, brothers, whatever is true. Well, only God's word is true. Only God's word is true. Whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's commendable if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. So the apostle Paul commands us how we're supposed to think. He commands us how we're supposed to think. In another passage, he said, set your mind on things above, not on things of this earth. Here, whatever is true, honorable, just, pure, Let me focus on that first one, whatever is true. Okay, and as I said a minute ago, the only thing that is true, what is truth? God's word is truth. God's word is truth. Now I'm not saying that there are not facts in the world that are outside the word of God, of course there are facts. But what do you do when the facts line up against you? You have to stand on the truth. If a doctor gives you a diagnosis of a bad medical condition It might be a fact in the natural realm, but that doesn't mean it has to be your truth. It's time to activate your faith. If they look at you and say, well, this is what we found in your body. That may be a fact on paper, but you have to stand on the truth and believe God that the truth is going to trump the facts and the truth is going to change the facts. So what does the Bible say here? What whatsoever is true, think on these things. All right, so let's say you're in that situation and you get that kind of a diagnosis and the doctor tells you something, then the Bible's commanded you to think on whatsoever's true. So what's true? Is it true that you have cancer or is it true that by his stripes you were healed? It's true that by his stripes you were healed. So I don't set my mind on the fact they're telling me I have this, they're telling me I have that. I'm setting my mind on what's true. And the truth says, I'm already healed. I was healed 2000 years ago. That's what's true. That's what's true. The truth is God's word. The truth is God's word. So I set my mind on that rather than what I see or hear in the natural realm, especially things that are contrary to my covenant with God, especially those things. I'm setting my mind on what is true. If you don't do this, let me, let me just make this a very, very big point. Let me press in on this. If you don't do this, you cannot activate your faith. Just this first dimension. If you miss this first dimension, you can't activate your faith. That is why James 1 tells us that a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Don't let that man think He will receive anything from the Lord, not one thing, not one thing. Because double-mindedness, well, I believe, but I don't believe, but I don't know, but maybe God will, but I don't know if it's going to work, if it's going to happen. No, we have one track mind, one track mind. If God said it, he will do it, I believe it, that settles it. One of the most important, if not the most important, verse of Scripture in the entire Bible, Numbers chapter 23, God is not a man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said it and will he not do it? Has he spoken it and will he not bring it to pass? God does what he says. God always does what he says. Numbers 23, 19. God doesn't lie. His word is truth. So I agree. My thoughts agree with the word. I meditate upon the word. I agree with the word. I'm led by the word. Amen. And that's the key. If I miss this, it's gonna be impossible to activate my faith because it always begins with an imagination. What do you think? Thomas heard it and said, well, I hear the truth, but I reject it. My mind rejects it. And so Thomas didn't have faith, that's why he's, he's doubting. He's doubting. Hmm. Others heard it, didn't believe, doubting. So that's why you can't believe, that's why you can't receive, because if you don't believe, you can't receive. Receiving doesn't come without believing. And double-mindedness is a lack of believing. So it keeps us from receiving. So understand this, it always begins with an imagination. This is why the devil fights so hard against your mind. This is why he fights so hard against your thoughts and tries to deceive you and give you thoughts that don't line up with God's Word. because he. In fact, the first thing we have on record that the devil ever did or said is trying to get Eve to be confused about God's Word. Did God really say? That's the first thing Satan ever said. Did God really say? And then tries to confuse Eve about what God actually said. Think about that. That is his method. That's his MO. He always tries to put thoughts in your heart, in your mind, to get you to doubt God's word, to get you to be double-minded and walk in fear rather than faith. But God always does what he says. And so my mind, my imaginations are where the activation of my faith begins. It always begins with my imaginations, my thoughts, my thought process, my mindset, always. That's not how I get faith, but that's where I start to activate my faith, by setting my mind on what is true. What is true? Doesn't mean you won't have thoughts, doesn't mean you won't have things come to you to try to tempt you to doubt, but look at 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Very important passage of scripture for us. The fifth verse, we destroy arguments And every lofty opinion raised against what? The knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive. We take every thought captive. I make thoughts that are contrary to God's word, prisoners. I make them prisoners. I don't let them rule my life, control my life. I imprison those thoughts. I I take them captive. They don't run me, I run them. It's like when I hear people say and they've told me before, well, you know, I can't control the thoughts that pop into my head. And yes, that's true, but you can control whether or not you dwell on them. You can control whether or not you dwell on those thoughts. So just because a thought pops into your head doesn't mean you have to sit there and dwell on it and think about it and fantasize. I don't know how this is going to happen. And they told me I'm going to die. And I, no. And then you go to all the ramifications. Oh, my, what's my family going to do? And what's my kids? And what about my? And then people sit there and they go through every scenario in their mind and give it a place. Don't give any place to the devil and one of the ways that people give place to the devil is by entertaining his thoughts write that down please write that down one of the ways and i would say it's one of the most common ways people give place to the devil is by entertaining his thoughts once more one of the most common ways people give place to the devil is by entertaining his thoughts. You see? And so it's like, that. I heard this. They taught this in Bible school. Uh, the devil doesn't know what you're thinking unless you're thinking his thoughts, the things he's given you to think, the things he's suggested to you. The Bible says, don't give any place to the devil. Don't give any place to the devil. Not any. Don't entertain his thoughts. Cast them out. Take them captive. Change the subject in your mind. Change the subject to what God said. Let me read you now Romans chapter 12 again, verse one and verse two. It says, I appeal to you therefore brothers by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So let's just break this verse two down for a second. It's a warning not to be conformed to this world and this world's system and culture and thought process. So he said, so don't do that, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Well, what does that look like? Now I'm thinking God thoughts. So how, how would I be conformed to this world? By thinking those types of thoughts. I've said this uh, you know, over this last year a lot. If you don't conform, you will transform. 2023 was our year of transformation. And what, what did I say often? If you don't conform, you'll transform. Or excuse me, if you don't transform, you'll conform. If you don't transform, you'll conform. Tr- be transformed by the renewing of your mind. If you don't transform, you'll conform. So notice that. How do you conform to this world system? By thinking the thoughts they thought. By not renewing your mind. By having an old mind. The old mind. The same mind everybody else thinks with. The same mind everybody else has... Uh, and allows thoughts through. Don't do that. Renew your mind by the word of God, by prayer, and then you'll be transformed into the image of God. Amen. Change the subject in your mind. Change the subject. Make them obey Christ. Make them obey Christ. So here, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. So every day, we have to renew our mind to the thoughts and the ways of God. So let me give you some practical tips here. How do you properly renew your mind? How do you renew your mind? Well, uh, you can do treatment and treatment's fine, but you know what's even better than treatment? Prevention. Prevention's better than treatment. So some people need more mind renewal than others do. And why is that? Because if you have not guarded your heart, And if you've already filled yourself with things that bring doubt, unbelief, fear, anxiety, then you need more mind renewal than others. And so uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart, for from it flow the issues of life. The New Living Translation that I read to you actually says that you should guard your heart above all else. Guard your heart above all else, for from it, or it guides, the path of your life it guides the path of your life so guarding your heart is prevention but i want you to see this with me <clears throat> how do you then practically renew your mind well one of the most powerful ways that you can do it is by what the bible says through god's word and why is that it's because god's word is the um cleansing agent the cleansing agent for your mind it's the cleansing agent you say well, how do you know that Ephesians tells us in the fifth chapter that God um, keeps the church washes it by the washing of water by the word so the word of God washes your mind it is a cleansing agent for your mind and then through prayer Through prayer and through God's word, you can cleanse and wash and renew your mind. One of the things the word of God does to renew your mind is it shows you, it's like a mirror, it shows you how you should think, shows you how you should think, what you should do. And when you see it, you can easily see what needs to change. When I look into that mirror, I can easily see what needs to change. So the word of God and prayer renews your mind. And so it's your thought process that has to change. It's your thought process that has to be renewed in order to activate your faith. This is the first dimension of your faith in action. If my thoughts are in the wrong place, the rest of my faith is not going to be activated properly. That's what happened to the children of Israel. That's what happened to so many others in the Word of God. The reason they could not receive is because their thoughts, the way their mind was functioning was wrong. And as a result, uh, 10 of the spies in the promised land looked at it and they ran everything they saw through their natural mind, analyzed it, and came back to the assembly and said, there's no way that we can do the thing God's called us to do. We've been there. They've got giants in the land. They have fortified cities. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. We're like grasshoppers in our sight. Just like that. Just like that. And so as a a result, what did the Bible say? King James, they brought back an evil report to the assembly. I refuse. I will not have an evil report in my life and in my mind. I believe God's word and I let it affect my mind. I believe it over even the things I can see in the natural realm. So you know what I say? That's why the Bible says this. We walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight there's a reason for that is because sight will trick you sight will get you to disagree with what god's word already said and i refuse to align my thoughts with something that contradicts god's written word i refuse to align my thoughts with something that contradicts god's written word if god said it he meant it if god said it i believe it that's it that is it And if it contradicts god's word it's getting out of my mind it's out of my thought process in jesus name i will not allow it i don't allow what i see to deceive me because what i see is not what i'm going to have i'm going to have what i see in the spirit realm not what i see in the natural i'm going to have what i see in the word not what i see in the natural realm i want you to put this in the comments with me and again i'm sorry for all these technical issues today i'm not sure what's happening with our building but We're gonna get it figured out. Um, Put this in the comments. I have a word-based expectation for this new year. Put it in the comments. I have a word-based expectation for this new year, and I absolutely do. If I don't see it in God's word, I'm not having it in this new year, in Jesus' name. If I can't see it in my covenant, I'm not having it in this new year, in the name of Jesus. I've got a word-based expectation for this new year? Absolutely, I do. Absolutely, I do. So that's number one. The first dimension of three dimensional faith is how you think. But the second is equally important. And that is what you say. What you say. That's dimension two of your faith. It's not just what you think. It has to then translate into what you say. Hallelujah. It has to translate into what you say. Let me just say this to you. The gift of faith is released by speaking. You can write that down, you can put it in the comments, you can put it in your notes. The gift of faith is released by speaking. There's no question about it. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4.13, as it is written, he said, we have the same spirit of faith as it is written, we believe, therefore we speak. Then he said, we also believe, therefore we also speak. Let me quote that again. The gift of faith is released by speaking. Second Corinthians 4.13, Apostle Paul wrote, we have the same spirit of faith as it is written, we believe, therefore we speak. He said, we also believe, Therefore, we also speak. We also speak. And so as a result, we have to be speaking the things that we know to be true in our mind as we've renewed our mind to the word of God. Remember, it's not enough to leave it in your mind. Here's here's where the roadblock comes for most people. It has to be in your mind properly. You have to have right thoughts to speak right words, but it's not enough to have right thoughts. That's where most people miss it. You've got to have right thoughts in order to speak right words, but it's not enough to only have right thoughts. The words have to come out of your mouth. You've got to speak what you believe. There's no question. You have to speak what you believe. You have to speak what you believe. We believe, therefore we speak. I say it. I'm not just thinking it. That's right. Angie Thomas put in the comments that woman in the Old Testament. She didn't just say, well, I'm going to go to the prophet. And I believe that a miracle is going to happen every time someone questioned her. How's your son? Who was dead? How's your husband? How's your family? It is. Well, it is. Well, it is. Well, what was she doing? She was speaking what she believed was going to come to pass. She said, well, you know, I need you to pray for me. We've got a lot going on right now and it's not. No, it is well it is well it is well you got to speak what you believe the greatest faith jesus ever encountered he identified it by words did you know that the greatest faith jesus ever encountered he identified it by words matthew chapter 8 the says that he was coming to the centurion or excuse me, the centurion was coming to him who had his servant at home, sick with palsy. He wanted Jesus to heal him. And he said, "Um, understand something, Jesus. I am a man of authority as you are. I tell my servants go and they go. I tell them come and they come, right? And he said, all you've got to do is speak the word only. He understood Jesus' authority. He said, all you got to do is speak the word only and my servant shall be made whole. What did Jesus say? I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. It's the greatest faith he'd ever seen. The greatest faith Jesus ever saw was someone who believed just in the spoken word. And not only that, he spoke the word. He spoke the word. See, notice, the man was basing everything on the spoken word. He said, I speak to my servants. I tell them, go, they go. I tell them, come, they come. This means the the centurion understood the authority of the spoken word. And he was, it's very interesting because if you look at this same story in the gospel of Luke, which is so interesting because in Matthew, you won't catch this, but Luke gives us the more. Full story, he did all of the researching that needed to be done. Luke was giving a careful account for Theophilus. And so he got the full story, which was this. The centurion didn't even come himself. If you read the story in the Gospel of Luke, he didn't come. What did he do? He used an object lesson and used the authority of his words to send his servants to Jesus. And so really, it was servants who came to Jesus and asked him what the centurion wanted to ask. He was doing it as an object lesson. See, Jesus, I told my servants to come and give you this message, and they came. They're obedient because of the power of my word. And he was saying, now I believe in the power of your word. You don't even have to come to my house. Simply speak the word only. This man understood the power of speaking. The gift of faith is released by speaking. So how did the how did Jesus know this man had faith? I'll tell you how he knew. The reason Jesus knew this man had faith is by what he spoke. Powerful man. It's by what he spoke. That's why Jesus knew. And he didn't just know the man had faith. He said, I've not seen faith this great in all of Israel. Heavens. Nobody's got this man's kind of faith. That's what Jesus is saying. Nobody's got this man's level of faith. This is the greatest. And what was Jesus referring to? The spoken word, faith in the spoken word and the ability to speak the word. That's why the Bible says that if you speak to the mountain. In fact, if would you bring me my Bible out of my bag right there, please. If you speak to the mountain, command it to be cast into the sea. And do not doubt in your heart, but believe that the things you speak will come to pass. You shall have whatsoever you say. Did you notice that? And thank you. Did you notice that speaking is mentioned three times in Mark chapter 11 and verse 23? speaking is mentioned three different times in that one verse let me read it to you one more time this is the esv truly i say to say to you whoever says to this mountain be taken up and thrown into the sea does not doubt in his heart but believes that what he says will come to pass it'll be done for him see that and he said truly i say so notice he's giving them his own example Jesus is giving his own example to the disciples, and then he does it again in the next verse. Therefore I say unto you, or therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you've received it and it will be yours. Talks about speaking three times, talks about believing once. So yes, you gotta believe, but it's not enough to just leave it in your heart. It's not enough to just leave it in your head. It has to come out of your mouth. Faith is released by speaking. The gift of faith, the spirit of faith is released by speaking. So the second dimension of faith is what you say. It's not just about what I think. It's also about what do I say? How do I talk? That's why I govern my confession. And I want you to put this in the comment, lock down your confession. Lock down your confession, lock down your confession. confession. Very important. Lock down your confession. So what do you mean by lock down your confession? Don't get dragged into talking like everybody else talks. Saying what everybody else says. Lock down your confession. Don't talk like the rest of the world. Well, I think I might be coming down with something. I ain't coming down with anything. And I'm not going around talking like that. Well, I think I might be coming down with something. I felt something earlier this morning. I felt a tickle in my throat. I think I might be coming down with something. You know, it's been going through. Uh, our area and I know the school systems have had it and I know people at my work of it And so I, I don't know I might be catching something. I'm not catching anything I got the Holy Ghost. I got fire. I got the power of God flowing through my body I'm not catching anything nothing. I'm not coming down with anything. I don't talk like the rest of the world talks I don't have. I don't have an expectation for that. That's not my expectation Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know I don't know. Well, we're all human. Yeah, are human filled with a supernatural spirit. That's greater than the finite world, greater than the human natural world. We're supernatural people now. That's why Paul told the Corinthians to stop acting like they were acting. He said, aren't you acting like mere men? Suggesting that they are no longer mere men. They're supernatural men and women. That's what he's saying. Stop acting like mere men. <laughs> yeah, I'm not... not coming down with something. I'm not catching something. I've already caught it. It's the Holy ghost. He's filling me up the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in my body. The greater one lives on the inside of me. There's no question about that. Resurrection power flows through our bodies. I don't have an expectation. Well, you know, we better hunker down. This is gonna be a rough financial year. It's gonna be the best financial year I've ever had by far. It's going to blow my mind and I've got faith. I don't have, I'm not talking like everybody else. Well, we might be in a recession. I don't know. It looks like it's going to crash. I don't care. I'm gonna have the best year I've ever had, and you're gonna have the best year you've ever had, and the devil can't do anything about it. Nothing he can do. Nothing he can say, nothing he can do. We're gonna be blessed. We're the head, not the tail. We're above, not beneath. We only go up, we don't go down, we cannot be cursed. What am I doing? just speaking the word of God. I'm just saying what the Bible already says. You don't even have to come up with new content. You can just say what the Bible already says. Just saying what the Bible says, that's it. Saying what the Bible says. Got to say something. What's your confession? What are you declaring? Do you know, even uh, when we go to bed every night, we have a confession with our children. Because I want them speaking, I want them saying what the Bible says about them. So every night before bed, I'm powerful. I'm wealthy. I'm wise. I'm mighty. I have honor. I have glory. I have blessing. I'm thankful. I'm pure. I'm holy. And I have them say that twice. I'm pure. I'm holy. I have favor. I have self-control. And we go through all of it every single night. And I have them say it. They all repeat it. I want their confession to be on point. I want them saying what the Bible says. I'm so angry. I can't control myself. No, that's not what we're confessing. No, I have self-control. I have favor. I have health. I have strength. I have purity, right? All these things. I have honor. I have glory. I have blessing. What what the Bible says, says about me is what I say about myself. And so I locked this confession down. We lock it down. We took the first seven things. We made it a poster for your children's walls so that they could look at it every day and, and confess that from revelation chapter five and verses 11 and 12 amen because your confession is important i say what the bible says i don't say what the world is saying no i say what the bible says thank you jesus i say what the bible says and then let me give you the third dimension of your faith the first dimension what you think the second dimension what you say and the third dimension has to be what you do it's what you do i'll give you an example The children of Israel could not have stopped at just believing they had a promised land and speaking about the promised land. I thank God he's given us the promised land. It's ours, it's ours, it's ours, it's ours. You can't just do that. There's more than just speaking. They had to literally go in and take the land. They had to do something. If you believe something, you'll do something. If you believe something, you'll take actions to bring it to pass. If you believe something, you'll take actions to bring it to path. If I believe something to be true, I'm gonna do something about it. If somebody ran in here and said, the building's on fire. If I didn't believe them, I'm not doing anything. I'm gonna sit right here and continue to talk to you. No, no, literally the building's burning to the ground. If I don't believe that word, it's not gonna affect my actions. So I'll continue to sit right here and talk to you, even though some dude's telling me the building's on fire. And I'm gonna say, no, it's not. I don't believe that. And so I'm gonna sit right here. It's not gonna change my actions because I don't believe it. If I believe it, then it's gonna change my actions. If I believe what he said, then I'm gonna do something about it. I'm gonna get up and get out of this building, right? Because if you truly believe something, it will take you, it will take you from thought to words to action. The third dimension of your faith is what are you doing about and with your faith. What are you doing about your faith? What are you doing with your faith? Now, this is what the Bible teaches. Let me uh, share this with you. James chapter two, James chapter two. If you want our kids' confessions, there's the link in the uh, comment section. MiracleWord.com forward slash kids hyphen confessions. Let's start with verse 14, James 2, starting with verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one says to him, go in peace, be warmed, be filled without giving them things needed for the body. What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works is dead. James 2 17 faith without works is dead. Verse 18. But someone will say you have faith and I have works, but show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. So James is saying it's my works that show or prove or demonstrate, put it that way in the comments, my works demonstrate my faith, my works demonstrate my faith. When I go out soul winning, if I go to win somebody to Jesus, that's proof that I believe Jesus is alive. It's true. It's proof that I believe he's coming soon. Well, do you have faith that Jesus is coming soon? Yeah. Prove it. How do you have faith? Show me in the actions of your life. How you believe Jesus is coming soon. Do you obey his word? If you don't obey his word, don't tell me you believe that he's alive, and that he's coming soon. Don't tell me you believe in a judgment day. If you if you're not obeying his word. Do you believe that he can heal the sick? Yes. Do you lay your hands on the sick? Do you lay your hands on yourself? Do you go to a church that lays their hands on the sick and anoints with oil? As we did yesterday in the morning for our covenant healing service. Well, don't tell me you believe that he's a healer if you don't take actions towards divine healing. Do you believe the Holy Spirit's still manifesting his presence and his power? Do you believe the gifts of the Spirit are still in manifestation? If so, what actions do you have in your life that prove you believe that? See what I mean? And so. There's always going to be actions. Do you believe in seed time and harvest? Do you believe God wants to bless his children? Well, do you tithe? Do you give? Because if you don't give, then don't tell me you believe in seed time and harvest. Don't believe you believe in, tell me you believe in sowing and reaping. Cause if you did, if you truly believe there were multiplied harvests coming back to you, you'd put seed in the ground. See what I mean? So the seed is the proof you believe. The laying hands is the proof that you believe. Winning souls is the proof that you believe. Do you believe God hears our prayers and answers them? Yeah. Well, then why don't you pray? Because your prayer is the proof you believe he hears and answers your prayers. Right, so it's faith without works. I've got to have works attached to my faith. It's the third dimension of activating my faith. My thinking crafts my words that goes from my thoughts into word form. But it doesn't stop at word form. My thoughts cause me to go and do something. I take action on the things that I believe. I take action on the things that I believe. I take action on the things that I believe. My thinking crafts my words, but my words craft my life. Three dimensions of faith. What you think, what you say, what you do. Three dimensions of your faith. What you think, what you say, what you do. Hallelujah. What you think, what you say, what you do. If all three of those aren't intact, you're missing something. You can't, and I'll say it is a chain. It is like a domino effect because you can't just have actions because you won't take actions about things you don't think are true, right? I'm not going to take actions of faith if I don't even have faith up here and say, well, I, I do believe that. For example, I would never sit down in a chair that I didn't believe in my heart could hold my weight. Say that again, I'd never sit down in a chair. That's my action that I didn't believe or think could hold my weight. My lack of belief in that chair and that chair's ability to hold my weight would keep my action from coming to pass, right? because I'm never going to do something that I don't think is going to work out properly. So I'm never going to take that action. Can you imagine going bungee? You'd have to be an insane person to go bungee jumping without the belief that your cord was going to hold. I just don't believe, from what I understand, I don't believe the cords are going to hold, but I'm jumping anyway. You'd be a fool. You'd be an insane person. You're not going to jump and go bungee jumping if you don't believe that the cord's able to hold you or That you don't believe it's connected to something. You're not gonna jump. Why would you ever launch out of a plane if you didn't believe your parachute was gonna open? I don't think it's opening. From everything I can imagine, it's not gonna open when I jump out. You're not gonna jump out. So your action will never match because it's already in your thoughts, it's in your heart, it's not gonna happen. If you jump out of a plane, that means you've in your mind, you've got thoughts, you've got faith in your parachute. If you go bungee jumping and jump off a bridge or whatever with that cord attached to you, that means in your mind, you have faith in the bungee cord. There's no question. If you sit down in a chair, it means in your mind, you have faith in that chair's ability to hold your weight. It started in your mind before you ever took an action on it. Always. That's why I say it always begins with an imagination. It always starts in your mind. I would never pray. If in my mind, I didn't believe God heard my prayers and that he could answer my prayers. Cause why would I ask him to answer if I, in my mind, I was like, no, he's, he's, he's not even real. He doesn't answer prayers. He's a myth. No, I'm not going to pray. That's why atheists don't pray and ask God to answer their prayers because they don't even believe he exists. So your thinking affects your speaking and your actions. But your speaking sets the tone because your speaking affects the atmosphere. The more you say, the more prone you are to do because it sets your attitude, it sets your environment, it sets everything up for actions. And so, yes, there is a domino effect, but they all three need to be in place. Three dimensional faith what you think, what you say, what you do, what you think, what you say, what you do has to be in place. No question. Has to be in place. That's why you got to set your mind on things above. That's why you got to take every thought captive. That's why you got to lock down your confession, and that's why you have to have guided specific actions of faith. There's times when I dance and I praise God and I don't feel like praising God. My flesh doesn't feel like it. There's things I do. We get up early in the morning, we get get ourselves ready and do whatever, but there's you, your flesh doesn't always feel like doing that. You get up, go to church. You don't always feel like after a week of work, getting up on your day off and going to church, but you do it by faith. It's an action of your faith in God. Your obedience is an action of your faith in God, though you don't feel like it. Do it anyway. See, your actions are proof. Faith without works is dead, but faith with works is a living faith. That's a living faith. Just put this last thing into the comments. I refuse to have dead faith. that in the comments before we pray. I refuse to have dead faith. I refuse. I will not. I will not have dead faith. I will not have dead faith in Jesus' name. My faith is alive. My faith is active. My faith is producing something by the power of the Holy Ghost in Jesus' name in jesus name i'm telling you our faith is activated during this time of prayer and fasting our faith is active it's working just us fasting and praying is a sign that we're seeking after god with our whole heart and believing him for the greatest things we've ever seen and we're going to see him in jesus name we're going to have them come to pass quickly this is our year we're under open heavens open heavens god's doing it by his power i want to take a minute let's pray together before we come to the end of this broadcast today. And of course, I'm back tonight um, at nine o'clock p.m. We're gonna have everything ironed out, but back at nine in the studio. And uh, we're staying faithful on this because God's already working. He's already moving on our behalf. Even if you can't see it, God's already moving on your behalf. So Father, we come to you today in the name of Jesus, and we ask you, as we step out in faith, as we speak, as we meditate on your word, I thank you that you are moving on our behalf. I'm asking you to go out in front of people today and that make every crooked place straight. Let us run with a new speed, a new momentum, a new strength in the kingdom this year in the name of Jesus Christ. But also, as you go out ahead of us, I thank you that at the same time, you are our rear guard, that you're watching over us from behind. There's no sneak attacks coming against us in Jesus' name, We're being protected by your divine power. I thank you You put a shield around us, around our families. I thank you no evil thing comes near our dwelling place in the name of Jesus. I ask you, Lord, to put a new health in every physical body. Let this be a year that every sickness drops off. Every disease we've faced for many years drops off. Tumors are leaving, cancer cells are dying. This is the year that our vision increases, our uh, hearing increases, our organs are being touched. Every area of our body is receiving a divine touch by your presence today, by your power today, in Jesus' name. Lord, I specifically, I feel the faith to pray for this. Everything that would represent an accident or a calamity, a tragedy, we take authority over it today in the name of Jesus, and we declare no accidents, no tragedies, no calamities coming near our families, coming near our dwelling places in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord, that you are protecting us on all sides. And even if the devil had a plan to try to destroy our family through some accident, through some maybe active terrorism, it will not touch us in the name of Jesus. It will not touch us in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would do a swift work in our ministries, in our businesses this year. I pray that what we set our hand to do will function at a high level in 2024. As we stand under open heavens, it functions at a high level in Jesus' mighty name. And I thank you for that and I give you praise for what you're doing. I thank you that you decide who will rise and who will fall because promotion doesn't come from the east or the west or the south. Promotion comes from the Lord, and so we thank you. I ask you, don't let January come to an end without us being in position for promotion in the name of Jesus. Don't let this month end before we receive promotion from heaven. Take us from faith to faith, from victory to victory, from glory unto glory in Jesus name. And let us see a never ending increase on our families, a never ending increase on the work of our hands and let it be magnificent. Let it be a spectacle in our generation that you could point at us and show others. This is what I'm able to do with my children. This is what I can do with my loved ones. And I'm telling you, Lord, that you'll get all the praise. You'll get all the glory. We will never take your honor. We'll never claim the credit for what happens in our lives. It's not done because of our own skill, intelligence, education, our own wisdom. No, it comes because of your goodness, your mercy, your favor, and you'll get all the glory. You'll get all the praise. You'll get all the honor. In the name of Jesus Christ, we say thank you. Thank you for all that you're doing. We praise you. We praise you for your goodness. We praise you for your loving kindness. We praise you for your mercies that are new every morning. We praise you for your faithfulness that's great. There's nobody like you, and we give you all of the honor. Today is the day that we say we have a new vision for a new year. We thank you that our minds are being renewed. We thank you that we have revelation of your word. Open our eyes in the spirit realm and let us see what we've never seen. Move us on a new path in Jesus' name. We thank you for that. We give you praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.